you know, you're probably pooping right now. And you know what you need to click over to? The Dark Side Records mobile app. You can find tons of great content on new releases, available now, upcoming events at the store, even see the used new arrivals list right from your fingertips. And then you can wipe up. Available where apps are downloadable. Have you enjoyed listening to the Dark Side Records podcast? Do you enjoy listening to JB and I bicker like 10-year-old schoolgirls? Then you should check out the Dork Side podcast, which is our monthly podcast recorded biannually about all things nerdy. Nerdy and dirty. Oh. Well, now more nerdy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dirty, not in the sexy, just in that we don't shower. So check out the iTunes store or anywhere else where you can download podcasts. Check out Dorkside podcast what the fuck's our twitter dorkside pod at dorkside pod at dorkside pod on twitter hey everybody it's jb here from dorkside podcast and dorkside records podcast uh this is to all of you wrestling fans are you a fan of professional wrestling are you a fan of sports entertainment then holy shit do we have an event for you those are two different things coming up march (laughs) third coming up march third here at dorkside records we are welcoming former WWF superstar, wrestling legend, smartest man in the biz, and a damn good poet. The genius Lanny Poffo is coming to Darkside Records. Sponsored by another wrestling podcast, another great podcast. He will be here in store. Birdo does not know who Lanny Poffo is. Of course I do. Lanny Poffo is, of course, brother of Macho Man Randy Savage. He uh, I know that name. wrestled for the WWF uh, in his career. Defeat Hulk Hogan. Damn right. Wow. I can't verify that fact. <laughs> wrestled Hulk Hogan. So wait. He stole his brother's ring and is going on tour with it. No, Macho, that Man, is... Macho Man is dead. He was posthumously inducted into the Hall of Fame. And his brother inducted him and gets to keep the ring. Are you getting choked up? For safekeeping. <laughs> it's a beautiful story. It's full of magic and love. Oh, God. Okay. Lanny Poffa will be here at Darkside Records uh, <clears throat> on March 3rd. He'll be doing a meet and greet. He will be doing autographs. He will have his brother, Macho Man Randy Savage's WWE Hall of Fame ring. It will be here with him. You can take pictures. You can wear the ring for a picture. And best of all, Lanny will be doing a Q&A. We'll have seats. Lanny will answer any and all of your questions. Pro wrestling related. Not pro wrestling related. Sexy. <laughs> cooking. Whatever you want to ask Lanny, he'll be here. That is March 3rd here at Darkside Records located at 611 Duchess Turnpike in Poughkeepsie. Now let's get to the podcast. <laughs> This is the Dark Side Records and Gallery Podcast. Talking, speaking, smelling my own feet. Smelling his feet, talking and speaking. I consider the other day maybe switching sandals. Like brands? brands, yeah. Oh, shit. Mm. Because you know what I realized is that it used to be, I think I was wrong about what the the stank factor really is. Hmm. Because it used to be that 
on the part that touches the top of your foot, there was like this sort of felt pad. Yeah. And when they got wet, that's when it was horrible. Mm -hmm. But now I realized, because I I have like four pairs and I wash them regularly, but they seem to get smellier quicker. Mm. And there's no more felt pad in there. So I'm wondering if like they eliminated that and that, and it's just like, you know, pure rubber touching my skin now and it causing me to sweat on the feet. Oh, that could be it. That's my guess. I um I always found that after a while wearing those the knobby sandals like in between the the rubbery bits just gets full of like dust and presumably foot skin. And I assume that's where the smell came from. It wasn't so yeah. much the foot nor the surface that the foot touches. It was the the, the, the I had, I had to switch. I switched to like a nice foamy like a memory foam. I like the foam. I also have some really nice uh, like moccasins I wear around the house. I was thinking about uh, who sound terrible. They're comfy as fuck. You sound terrible. Sure, they are. I do. I actually lost my voice. Well, this is, I, all, this is all I'm going to sound. We chose a terrible day to record a podcast. It's Monday. I have this like deep Boom. throaty voice. Mm. I thought about switching to leather. Hmm. Or maybe a thong <laughs> sandal. Ooh, I, thong sandals are supposed to be good. They're supposed to like like. It massages between the toes, some kind of Japanese thing I read about one time. I'm going to do a Japanese thing. Yeah. <laughs> you and Girk. And it's wearing a thong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wearing a Japanese thong. Toe thongs. Mm. Look, you're, yeah, you're going to get Girk all worked up with this sentence. We should be careful. Worse than Japanese <laughs> curling. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Dark Side Records podcast here, uh, brought to you by the good folks at Dark Side Records, located at 611 Duchess Turnpike in Poughkeepsie, or on the interblogs at darksiderecords.com, or in our new app. I guess that's more of a reason. We have an app? Oh, God. <laughs> He's been away for so long. No, no, I got it. I'm with it now. I'm with it. I'm hip. I even get the notifications. Oh, I was cool. I was guilted into it, but I got them. That's all. What matters is you get them. Uh, this podcast is, of course, uh, about music, music industry, vinyl, CDs, CDs, nuts, tacos, feet, smells, urges, mm. sandal placement and style, mm-hmm. culture. It's all about culture, local culture, <laughs> athletes, micro local culture. <laughs> Microbial. Mm. Is that it for the intro? I can't remember what we do for the intro. I'm I'm off my intro game today. You were off. You were off your intro game last time. Maybe, too. maybe I am sick. Maybe that's what's going on. My voice is gone. I fucked up the intro. Ugh, I'm just fucking losing it. Well, hey everybody, welcome to the Dark Side Records <laughs> podcast. I'm Berto. I'm JB. <clears throat> JJ. Do we have an agenda this time? We do. We do. Oh, okay. Well, you know, nobody really enlightened me, so I just showed up. Oh, then you're gonna you're gonna like it. I spoiled it. I spoiled the topic. Oh, Black Panther. What? No. Oh, we actually have a special treat for you this podcast. Uh, myself and our other r- resident wrestling fanboy, or as they're known in the wrestling community, Marks. Thank you, Marksman. <laughs> I don't know. I always assumed it was something like uh, marks are the people who are like really into wrestling, so like they're aware. So they're the guys that like they're marked, like they they know what's up. So they're like marked men. I, I aren't, guess I aren't marks like 
People targeted by con men. Boom. Yeah, that too, right? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, which would be just the entire wrestling organization. <laughs> Wait, they're the con men or they're the... Oh, they're the con men. I mean, basically, they're telling a story. They're weaving a story. Okay. Anyway, so uh, me and uh, our good friend T. Gurks, as you know him, Tyler Gherkin, uh, here from Dark Side Records, we sat down for a special interview with former WWF superstar, the genius, Lanny Poffo. Lanny is, of course, uh, brother of Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, this guy. We t- okay, we talked about him last time. He will be in store this Saturday from 12 to 3 doing a special meet and greet. And, uh, so wait a minute. He sat down with us I'm earlier. I'm confused about the timeline here. Did you back to the future me? Yep. Did you guys already do this interview? Are you doing it in the future and releasing it in the past? You'll find out. All right. We're going to create a time paradox with our interview. I swear to God, if you end the universe with a time paradox over wrestling, I'm going to be so angry. So stick around for that halfway through this very podcast. Hey, Berto, how's things? Yeah, they're good. They're good. Cool. I get to meet Weird Al Yankovic tomorrow. What? Yeah. I want to meet Weird Al. How are you meeting Weird Al? Um, I recently uh, got a gig as the archival one of the archival photographers for the Bardavon. Sweet. So I get to photograph their shows and some of their meet and greets. Tomorrow night is Weird Al, or I guess using your time paradox. Last week was Weird Al. <laughs> oh, uh, unrelated to this podcast. For the record, you wanna you wanna go to Tap New York? When is it? Twenty the weekend after Record Store Day, twenty ninth. See, I thought you had vowed not to go again. Me. Yeah, last year you vowed not to go again. Did I? Yeah. That sounds like me. <laughs> Were you drunk? I mean, it is Tap New York. No, it was like the next day or so, because I didn't go last year. Was I really Remember hungover? there was some sort of fights on the bus or something? Oh, and... God, that was a fucking nightmare. You're totally where, right. where is it? Tap New York is at Hunter Mountain. It is of course, the uh, New York Craft Beer Festival, and mm. uh, my good friend Anthony puts together a... I thought they did beer, bourbon, bacon. He does. That's a separate event? That's separate. He, okay. Anthony, uh, I, I met him backstage the other night. I thought he was at Lewis Black. What the fuck, man? I was hanging out with your boy. Anthony, God damn it! He's not listening. I know. You know <laughs> maybe maybe to the Lanny Poffo. Maybe he will listen to this one. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm. Is he into the wrestling? He is into the wrestling. Okay. That's mm. cool. Uh, that's I mean, how, not really. But it's part of how yeah. we became friends. How? Was the wrestling. You wrestled? We wrestled. Oh. Tommy Sticks? <laughs> so Tap New York is the weekend after uh, Record Store Day Record Store Day of course here at Dark Side Records Will be April 21st For you uh, Planners You uh, vinyl collectors uh, You can get details on that on our website DarksideRecords.com uh, But the weekend after that is Tap New York Beer Fest So if you're interested you're welcome to join I will keep that in mind I invited JJ He didn't write me back oh. Yeah I forgot <laughs> Was he getting yelled at? Probably. Could, could have been. Could have been. I don't know. You won't hear this, so it's fine. <laughs> so you say that, and then this would be like the one she listens to. Yeah, oh, I'm going to listen to the podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine. I can take it. <laughs> Why did you just cut the internet? Get my phone out of the toilet. I would go for more of a smashing than a dropping in the toilet. Well, you can come water, back damage, water damage, there's still a chance you can take it out of the toilet and it'll still well, work. Well, there's still a chance with the smash. you got to drill it. you got to drill through it. Here's what I want to know from you. Uh, Big B. Shoot. Queen B. King Ralph. <laughs> <Just gonna laughs> I 
<laughs> You're much more a king Ralph than a, king, than a queen bee. <laughs> uh, what what was the first CD you ever bought? CD specifically. Own money or received as gift or begged a, for? Do you remember both? The first CD I ever got was a gift. It was Green Day's Dookie. Hmm. It's one of my first, too. Um, the first one I bought, shit. It might. It was either like an Aerosmith Greatest Hits or like Billy Joel. At an early age, I went through a Billy Joel phase that I think has been addressed on previous episodes. <laughs> and at a middle age as well. <laughs> <laughs> and at kind of a continuing age. Mm-hmm. Every every couple of years, I just got to break out the 80s Joel and give oh, him man. an ulcer. I, uh, I got a uh, a couple uh, LPs from a friend of mine, and one was, it was like a, three or four Billy Joel albums. But man, great songs. Yeah. For all the shit talking I do about that guy. I mean. Those are great songs. Not that much. It's shit not easy to be a rock pianist. You're not wrong. There's Great some, songs. Some good stuff in there. And it, Billy Joel's definitely one of those things. If I hear a song on the radio, I remember all the lyrics to it pretty much. Surprised how many I knew. Mm-hmm. Same with the. Uh, oh, fuck, I can't remember the name of the song. Bad Touch. By Billy Joel? No, by Bloodhound Gang. Bloodhound Gang. How much of that can you sing? If if I give it like a couple previews. No, no. Right off the cuff. Right off the cuff. Go. This is the worst tangent we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Off the cuff, maybe like 30%. With After one like preview, I could probably get up to 80. It's been. That's one week by the Bare Naked Ladies. Same thing. Same song. Quite no. <laughs> no, not the same. Sweat, baby. Sweat, baby. <laughs> sex is a Texas drought. Wait, sex is a Texas drought? Mm-hmm. I think so. dry. It's, that's not fun. So your first CD was Bloodhound Gang. No, no. The Bad Touch. <sighs> Followed by Billy Joel. Sure. Okay. JJ, what was yours? First CD I can remember putting on on a regular basis was Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell 2. Mm. Classic. So I used to like play that CD over and over. It was my dad's. I can remember sitting in the back of the living room and like putting the headphones on and playing it. And then probably that same year, once we got to Christmas time, I asked for a boombox for Christmas. I got one for my birthday. You guys remember so many details about that shit. Well, I have a few memories of my parents. I gotta hang on to them. Okay. Oh, that's <laughs> sad. Fast. Okay. Yeah, I think I still have that copy of Dookie because my mother gave it to me. Oh, here we go. Oh, god damn it! I shouldn't ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> then I can remember first CD I got with my own money, like saved up allowance money, mm-hmm. was. Boys to Men 2. Mm-hmm. I remember going to, there was a Walmart up the road from our house in Charlotte, and I went there and bought Boys to Men 2. I assume there's just a Walmart up the road from everywhere in Charlotte. <laughs> Not really, but, you know, if you're ever on Albemarle Road in Charlotte. I'm going to be there in two weeks, I'll let you know. Mason Dixon? Let you know how it holds up. And then for Christmas that year, because I was getting the boombox, my uncle from California sent me a bunch of CDs including the Prince Batman soundtrack. Mm. So that, that's like the initial three, I'd say. I remember my first was uh, Pantera, Vulgar Display of Power. Mm. Way cooler than Mother Fox. <laughs> what animal was that supposed to be? Like that's a silverback. It's a bird. <laughs> it's definitely a bird. Silverbacks are like, 
Oh, I'm trying to remember the noises in Ace Ventura 2. Uh, do you have a mint? Possibly some. Banaka. <laughs> That's Ace Ventura 1. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. So what are you driving at here? Well, uh, something that's been in the news relevant to our interests uh, lately has been a lot of talk about CDs. The death of the CD. So they want you to think. Mm. The big news item that came out was talking about Best Buy specifically and Target. Best Buy announced that they plan to stop selling CDs. And Target announced following that. This year, we should say, by... By, by summer the end of, of the year. year, yeah, yeah. I was trying to find an exact date because I, I feel like they announced like a, a specific. Oh, they've got like a. I think I have it here. A goal date, June first. June first. Oh, June first. Okay. Early summer. They're pulling CDs from stores entirely, and at the same time, Target is making demands, and those demands are that they don't want to pay for CDs up front; they only want to pay for CDs when they have actually sold. You're correct. Target is reportedly pressuring record companies into signing consignment agreements under which labels will be required to purchase back any unsold inventory. Uh, Target, uh, unlike Best Buy, however, I'll just focus on Target for right now, Target only stocks 100 titles at any time. Yeah. Uh, And they are still responsible for a sizable chunk of CD sales. For example, last year, Target sold 500,000 copies of Taylor Swift's Reputation. And reportedly, only one major label has turned them down so far. Yeah, they haven't said which one, but I have a a suspicion about who it is. You want to speculate? Go on. No, I don't. Fuck them. Uh, (laughs) I speculate that it's Universal Music that has turned them down because they're perhaps the most greedy Mm -hmm. and they definitely want their money. Also, they might not be able to read. <laughs> what? I don't know. I'm just making outrageous claims. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think we should break it down a little bit and say that for years now, in the case of both Target and Best Buy, they don't actually have inventory buyers anymore. They do something that's called rack jobbing. The old RJ. <laughs> I'm listening. Uh, so rack jobbing is when still you, doesn't sound good. It doesn't never sound good. I know. Good. Continue. And clearly, it isn't good because it's only led to the decline of their sales. But uh, so rack jobbing is basically that they pay a third party company to stock, you know, basically top twenty titles for them, hmm. maybe specifically tailored to their. Their markets, like you know, I'm sure that a Target here in Poughkeepsie doesn't necessarily have the same product mix as a Target in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or something like that. But uh, so I'm sure it's tailed, tailored a little bit. But basically, they're not making any real decisions; they're only making demands. Hmm. Best Buy has said that uh, CD sales generate around 40 million in annual revenue for the company. And executives would rather dedicate the floor space to more lucrative items. They will, however, continue to sell vinyl for the next two years. But That's titles only because they have previous commitments that they've yeah. signed into contract. It says the titles, however, will now be merchandised with turntables. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you look at uh, CD stats overall, just I'll throw uh, some quick numbers at you. What numbers are we talking about here? Talking about CD sales in general. In 2001, 
There was a reported 800 million CDs that were sold. I think that actually differs from the number I have in front of me. Well, by comparison, I was going to point out that uh, according to my article here from uh, consequenceofsound.com, 800 million in 2001 as compared to 2017 total sales in US of CDs 89 million. Oh, in terms of units we're talking there. Units. Yeah. So my Ten. numbers in a different light. Hmm. Um the peak of the CD in terms of dollars hmm. uh was in the year 2000 at 13.2 billion dollars. Wow. Uh hmm. in the year 2016 1.2 billion dollars. So that is obviously a sizable shift. Sure. But think about the factors around that. There are way more platforms available to you. Like two, 2000, you had downloading. You, that was the era of Napster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was really just the beginning of what would become the MP3. I miss Napster. The, you know, and this is also long before streaming. So mm-hmm. sure, the actual physical sales of CDs have declined. But the ways to consume music have expanded greatly. And there's nothing wrong with that. So basically, the conversation that seems easy to run with for mass media now is the same conversation that happened about record stores, let's say, oh, 12 to 15 years ago, mm-hmm. was that record stores are dying. There's nothing left. Why would you bother? Because... You can just get everything on the internet for free, pirated, stolen, not paying artists, etc. But look at record stores. Have seen a resurgence in the last, I don't know, 10 years because of a little thing called Record Store Day. And all Record Store Day started as was just a way to say, hey, we're here. Look at, you know, we're still here. We care. We care a lot. Nice. Uh, and we have things to offer you. And look what it's become. Record Story is fucking huge now. Indeed. To the point where people are criticizing it on the internet. That's how you know something's big. <laughs> when no matter what you do, you're not right. Um, and the same thing goes for CDs. They've been calling for the death of the CD for 15 years now. Because numbers have been sliding. But that doesn't mean they're going anywhere. And just because places like Target and Best Buy have seen a steep decline in sales doesn't mean other places haven't seen an increase in sales. Mm-hmm. But again, this is a mass market thing. Mm-hmm. So you're they're reaching broader a broader range of consumers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I would say probably all of us at this table and most of our listeners can understand that you don't necessarily purchase your music the same place you purchase your underwear and imported strawberries. False. <laughs> oh, you mean we're going to start carrying strawberries? <laughs> Only Surprise. Darkside Farmer's Market. Yeah, something that I think about when I think about this discussion is uh, even part of what we do is, you know, I know I, I get to say this from a, a position of privilege, but Power. I'm not uh, I'm not concerned about the mainstream. And I know that there are like big artists who are huge players who have that kind of like massive mainstream success. But to me, that's not 
what the music industry that's not what like keeps the music industry going. Oh, absolutely. And so it's part of the food chain. Yeah. Like you you need both ends of the spectrum. You need the DIY band as much as you need the Taylor Swift with the huge fucking uh budgets and marketing efforts and mm-hmm. tours and all the promotion and sponsorships that come with that shit. It all feeds the other because some kid might be six or seven years old and totally in love with whatever the flavor of the day is. But you never know who that kid's going to grow up to be and how their musical tastes are going to evolve. It's all it's all part of the same ecosystem. Mm-hmm. It could start with Billy Joel and end with Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about you now. No. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> you know, the way they look at the music industry is is it's about it's about the small. And I think that uh, the larger music industry, like the the huge acts selling out stadiums, I feel like that model relying on that as your things that keep it alive is unsustainable. Like even talking about small minded. Well, it's you know talking about tours and bands and going to see like the you know the ages of like going to see Led Zeppelin, you know, in front of you know a hundred and fifty thousand people and like relying on that is. those days, I think, are gone. Yeah, those acts are few and far between now. It's, like, mm. But also, like, it's just because everybody wants to do what their heroes have done. That's why you see exponential growth in the number of bands and the amount of music that's being put out. Mm. Like, you know, it all started somewhere, and it just it keeps blooming. But as much as the story seems to be focused on that really only these two places, Target and Best Buy – are taking their foot out of the proverbial pie. Everywhere else is experiencing growth over CDs. Wait, who puts their feet in a pie? Why, yeah, why would you put a foot? Is in that a like pie? a southern thing? Yeah. It's okay. A oh, shoe, shoe foot pie. That's what we call it. <laughs> continue. <laughs> well, we clear, well, we cleared that up. The story checks out. We're good. Um, indie CD, indie retail, which would include your little dark side records here, uh, has experienced growth every year in CDs. And all these years that it's been down overall. Are you actually talking about the industry or are you just actually talking about us right now? I'm talking about both. Like, okay. Uh, I don't know. We've been up seen, in the industry in general. Yeah. And I've seen uh, a number of other stores that we're friends with have seen growth in CDs even over this past couple of years. And uh, here's a couple of other little facts for you. Bandcamp uh, reported an 18% growth over 2016 for 2017. And in 2016, they had a 14% growth over 2015. Is that specifically in CD sales or is that just – specifically in CD sales on Bandcamp. Um, And then you go over to Discogs who has probably one of the most active online music marketplaces in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They saw overall growth. Um, They said the most popular physical format sold this year was vinyl. With an increase in sales year over year of 13.92%. Wow. However, CD sales grew the most in 2017, up 23.23% on Discogs. Hmm. So I think what the, the picture, when you start to put all the pieces together, is that these big box stores have just done a shit job at predicting what people really want in the music business. And as they pulled out, people are spreading out to all the various options, be it mm-hmm. online marketplaces, 
indie retail, wherever music is sold and presumably where it's cared about and there's a passion for it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and curated, you're seeing growth in sales. <clears throat> your old uh, your old Dark Side Records here even has some numbers of its own. <laughs> uh, we break ours down in terms of new and used. And so I don't know if you know, but we moved stores in 2015 to a bigger space. We did? Yep, yep. Shit. Newsflash. <laughs> I know you, you were I you know you that? were out of the country. <laughs> did you put that in the app? Cuz yep. I didn't get that memo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, new CD sales for the store. We're talking about just new CDs in 2017. We're up uh over 3% for the year. And that's after a record-breaking year of 2016, which was our first full year in the new store. And then when you come to used CD sales, used CD sales were up over 10% in 2017 here in the store. So clearly the demand is there. And in some instances, I think it's um, based on price point. I was like, obviously you can see in a used CD is cheaper than a new CD. So you can see that market growing because it's more affordable. But at the same time, new CD sales growing as well. And I think that's just because we have the selection. Mm. We're curating what's here. And God damn it, if we don't have it, we're happy to get it for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even recently I've had multiple people who've come in. I mean we, we have a great customer base who are passionate about music and you know tell us things that they love. But I, I think recently I've had three or four people talk specifically about What's going on with Best Buy and Target? And uh, a couple even who came in new to find us because they were worried about losing CDs and uh, being able to still find the things that they were wanting. Yeah. Which I found really, you know, not that I think that the be- the whole Best Buy Target situation, uh, you know, scares me. In any capacity, but uh, you know it's, it's still a reassuring thing to to hear that and to know that truthfully, you have a a customer base and you have fans who are passionate enough to you know take that fucking step to just like not to, to actually seek it out, you know, to look it up yeah. and to find a spot and to and wait. Were these established it. customers? They were not. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I had a couple okay. of new people who came in. I thought, yeah. I thought you. I thought you were saying that we had customers who were playing for both teams. In which case, fuck them. Well, easy, <laughs> easy, easy. I'm sorry. That just. I'm gonna tell the withrows you said that. <laughs> um, I, I would say for years though. I mean, maybe it's just a product of somebody who works there or multiple people who work there. But for years, we've had people say, "Yeah, uh, this kid at Best Buy said, yeah, we don't have it, but there's this place yeah, we've called Dark getting- Records.'" Like kind of under the table referrals. Yeah, and I think a part of that was probably nice. Drew for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, there's somebody else who I know is a regular customer here who mm-hmm. worked worked or works there. Well done, well done. Same thing, Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble has seen their their CD section shrink, their music section shrink. There it used to be always be that there was a dedicated employee to the music section, and that's not a thing there anymore. Now they're just drifters. Yeah, and. Um, Again, it's just – I don't want to say greed, but 
to some degree, it's a matter of, you know, this other item is going to make us more profit margin. So we're going to focus our efforts on that, which is sort of the opposite of what we do. Short-sighted more than anything else, I think. Yeah, it's because it's not about broad assumptions. It's not about the, you know, the love of the music, I'd say. Yeah. The music was a sideline. That's why, Mm -hmm. I mean, let's talk about this, the quote-unquote lost leader. So have you ever wondered why on new release day, when it used to be Tuesday or now when it's Friday, you can walk into a Best Buy or a Target and see a CD for let's say nine ninety nine, when you might come here and it's twelve ninety nine, thirteen ninety nine. Well, that's because they're using it as a loss leader, which means they're willing to sell it at or below cost because they know that you're going to buy something else in the store that has a way higher fucking markup on it. Because you, many of you probably know, but many not, the markup on new music is shit like there's not a good markup when when we sell you something most of that is not profit (laughs) very little of that number that you're paying for a record is not profit um so best buy knows that you're gonna buy that 999 cd but you're also gonna buy a dishwasher yeah dishwasher or refrigerator a computer a cell phone a cell phone case like all of this shit has way bigger markup on it where you're paying twenty, thirty dollars for a cell phone case, they probably paid five, let's say. So that margin is much bigger. That's where they're making their money. Same goes for Target. You're buying food. You're buying clothing. Clothing has the most fucking markup in the world on it. So that's why you can see those prices. And sure, we could do that on you know whatever x and y new release but why should we like why should we you know we're not going to make up cuz you're not going to get him at best else. buy anymore <laughs> now you have to come to us <laughs> why should we sacrifice everything else in the store which is let's say what 90 to 95% of the store is music and all the other stuff that's our that's our margin when you buy that gum or that card or whatever it's not a lot of money but we make more on that than when you buy a CD in terms of percentage and there's nothing wrong with that again we're curating this shit we're, we're not buying it because it makes us more money Mostly we're buying it because it makes us laugh. This <laughs> <laughs> is the truth. Or we think it's cool in some way, useful, relevant to our customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a shift reading. towards something called MOD in the CD industry, which is Manufacturing on Demand. Oh, sorry. Billy I... Milano's band? SOD? I think later it was MOD. Like it started uh, as SOD and okay. then Billy Milano took it over and it became MOD. What does MOD stand for? That was Merchants of Death. Hmm. Sure. It's called Dan Franks. Brian Tam. They can tell us right now. <laughs> the first one was a little racist. Little racist? A little racist. It was called Speak English or Die. It yeah, was, I mean, it was it supposed was... to be a joke, though. Jokes can be racist. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's not true. That's just... So nope. there's nope. this new, uh, there's this sort of shift happening in the CD world in some places um, called Manufacture on Demand, MOD, 
where rather than creating or sitting on large quantities of inventory because everything is so digital and available at higher internet speeds and lower costs to produce really is what it comes down to is that some things are available literally as a manufacturer on demand. So mm-hmm. currently we have access to, I'm going to say, a few thousand titles which are available as MOD, which have been out of print that weren't previously available. And we can order it, and they will literally print it up, full artwork, full everything, manufacture it, ship it out the door with our regular shipment. And I think um, I think we'll probably see a little bit more shift towards that. I was just say, that's something they introduced a couple of years ago, but it's been growing, right? It's been around. Like even back when I worked for FYE, they started it. They own a company called Mix and Burn um, that they've got you know situated in many of their stores. Um, yeah, and there's you know there's other versions of it. Like for example, there's a new Lisa Loeb record out exclusively through Amazon. Which is only available as a manufacturer on demand when you actually read the details on the Amazon listing for it. Hmm. I personally, I don't think I really have a problem with this. As long as the quality is there. And I've seen the quality improve over the last couple of years. Like they used to use this sort of lower quality, cheaper green bottom discs. Like Hmm. were available to all of us in in the 2000s to burn CDs. But now they're going, they seem to be going to a, you know, higher quality silver or gold bottom disc. Uh, full artwork available, not just a cover insert. Like there's going to be printed booklets. And everything. Yeah, you can get a printed booklet and you know full jacket art. So all for one cost, for one price. Yeah, and the price is, I would say, pretty reasonable compared to having it sit on the shelf. So hmm. I don't have a big problem with it in terms of smaller obscure titles, but in terms of mass market, I don't think it's a great solution because. You know, it's good for catalog. Us and a, th- a thousand other indie stores might suddenly go, well, so-and-so died. We are going to see a surge in yeah. this title. I don't think this is a good way to do it because you know, when you're having that much demand, quality obviously might be sacrificed. Right. But for an obscure title, let's say you want a, I don't know, Clarence Carter record available on demand. We obviously know there's not a huge call for the first Clarence Carter album on Atlantic, 1968. Which is the real crime here. Exactly. <laughs> but it should be available. Patches? So if it could be available. No, Patches was a single only, never available on an LP. He was called Patches. That was his name when he was a kid. Remember his dad was working in the field? And he died. Mm-hmm. He called him Patches and he used to joke with him about it, but he knew that on the inside it secretly really hurt him because he knew he worked really hard to provide for the family. Yeah. Remember then on his deathbed, he said, Patches, I'm depending on you, son? Yeah, I remember that. Anyway. Yeah, and also the appeal of something like that, or CDs in general. Uh, I read a bunch of articles about bands like thinking that all they needed was vinyl, and maybe you could weigh in on this, vinyl and cassette. A lot of bands are just manufacturing now, but they're seeing slow sales on the road for them. I think probably because they're slightly cost-prohibitive. And um, bands are selling back catalog CD, hmm. so I, I just don't think it's it's time or reasonable to count the CD out. There's plenty of viability in it, and even as car manufacturers stop putting CD players as a, as oh, a I was going to ask you that next was other industries seem to also be starting to 
right. phase that technology out at least. It's a cost-cutting measure is all it really is. <clears throat> it's one less thing to install, and as long as you've got that Bluetooth radio, that auxiliary input, people seem fine. But as we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, it don't sound good. Bluetooth <laughs> is a bad medium <laughs> for sound. If you, if you Actually, I have, I have one of those thing, wireless sound bars on my TV at home. Fucking hate that thing. Yeah, it sucks. Cuts out like half the time. Even let's we could even talk about Sonos. Mm. Sonos has good sound quality. You know why? Because it's not Bluetooth. It's Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's like a wireless mesh network. So you're getting way more bit rate out of that than you are over fucking Bluetooth. You know where Bluetooth's good for on an airplane when your headphones are on and your and phone's in your pocket. One foot yeah, your when you're right thing. there. That's I can't even... <laughs> I, I have Bluetooth headphones I use when I mow the lawn. Sometimes I can't put my phone in my pocket. Right. Like I put it in like the... Like, you know, like a shirt pocket or like a cup holder on my mower or something. Artillery vest. <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> my flak vest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So CDs mm-hmm. CDs are not they're offering you a great compact little package of a high quality audio source. It's easy, it's portable. There's nothing really wrong with it other than people think it's unfashionable. But by the same token, even in terms of audio equipment, CD players sell. We have, you know, used CD players in stock and they always go. I've seen strange, like, responses to CDs, you know, selling CDs at, like, an indie band level. And even, I would say, I have always been hesitant to produce CDs, like, being in an indie band, you know, unsigned, you know, without label support, etc., which I think does change it a little bit when you you think about how these these things work. Um, But I've always been pro-vinyl. I guess I've always been pro, like collectibles and something that's that's I, I feel is more than just the music like if you're going to sell a physical format music i want it to be something that is significant and reflects uh you know the, that the whole package everything about it is as important as the music itself is to both like the listener and to the artist who's making it themselves and even uh i remember we <clears throat> i hate saying my own band on podcasts because i feel like I'm dead just- Empires. <laughs> Design to disappear. <laughs> Thank you. That was a good impersonation. Thank good, you. Com- good commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can use that. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> so, you know, we always have a discussion about what we want to put out. And, and our first record that we put out, we did, I think we did vinyl only. I don't think we did. We did. A, it was Waiting vinyl and digital only. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we could go back further. Monuments. That was CD. That was CD. Correct, but those like we actually EP, wasn't it? those we uh, it was an EP okay. and we hand burned those. Oh, okay. Like I think we we did something where we got uh, cases made mm-hmm. and then we got burnable CDs and we hand burned all the CDs ourselves. Mod and Billy Milano's band? <laughs> no, the other guy. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, and then we made jackets, but everything you know was very DIY. And when you're a band, you're starting out. CDs are you know what you do. Yeah. And then you reach a certain Kirk. cold hands. It's cold hands, no vowels on the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
It was a very good show. They're, they're, they are. They're a good well, band. I'm sure it was yeah, a good they show. They deserve a physical format. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so we, every release that we do, we, you know, we talk about what we want to put out and, and what it means to us and, and how we want to do it. First, first record we did, uh, LP only. And it, we, I think we had 300 made and it took us about two years to actually sell all of them. Uh, for the That's second. All he did was 300? We only did 300, yeah. Hmm. The next album we did uh, CD only, and I think we pressed two hundred of them, and I still got a batch at my house. Uh, and then this new one, you know, obviously we partnered it up with uh, Silent Pendulum Records, who helped us put out LP, CD, and cassette. It's been out for three days now, and uh, I have seen people who've been interested. Like there are people who who want CDs. It's affordable. It's a quality product at an affordable price. Yeah, and you know, I like we've been uh, we've been selling cassettes. Uh, I feel like truthfully, like it, it it's interesting because people who I talk to who know me as JB, who works at Darkside Records, you know, it, it, there's not a lot of crossover between those people and people who know me as JB, who's in Dead Empires, and people who I know from, Why not? from Darkside. Like, I don't have to explain physical format music to them. Whereas we put this record out and we get people who come up and make comments like, whoa, vinyl, what year is it? And I have to be like, man, do you know my life at all? Like, I, I can't believe we have to actually have this this specific discussion, which I kind of hate. Having. But then I imagine they get excited about it. Because I hope it's, so. It's unusual. It's different to them because they're not seeing it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I, I think that's probably you know part of the push towards vinyl. Vinyl is sexy. It's back. Mm-hmm. It's not going anywhere. Uh, but so, you know, I've had conversations uh, with people at our merch table about cassettes where I've had multiple people come up and say, I'm going to paraphrase, but why the fuck are you making cassettes? And my usual response is, you know, something to the effect of hipsters like these. No, that's the rest of my band says that. Uh-huh. Uh, I say, you know, look, I don't give a fuck what you do with it once you buy it. It comes with a digital download. So you don't have to actually play the cassette. There's only 50 made. They're hand-numbered. They're limited edition. I truthfully uh, feel like I'm going to say 80% of people who buy our cassette are literally going to just put it on a shelf and literally never listen to it, and that's totally fine. Uh, if it's anything, if it's just a, a cool perk to getting you know something physical with your digital – you could call it a digital download case. I don't give a fuck what you call it. But it's 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 strange to me to you know interact with people and to hear those responses comparatively to the people who come in the doors of the store here and yeah they're primed and ready here yeah they, there was a guy today who wanted to buy your CD until I told him the LB was coming on the ninth or the eighth way to fuck me out of a sale bro yeah he literally he had it and he's like are they doing vinyl I was like yeah coming out on uh, March 9th. and he's like. Oh, okay. I'll just wait for that. I'll be back then. Okay, cool. But he also bought. He's gonna the, download it and never come back. Totally. He so. bought the Dead Empires T-shirt that was on the the vintage track. That was mine. Which I would have kept. If I'd it was buy a Dead Empires T-shirt. Wasn't fat. If you brought me one. Well, you can come to our vinyl listening party here at Darkside Records on March eighth at seven p.m. Where we're gonna have the vinyl one day before uh, Street Date, which is the ninth. We're gonna listen to it. Uh, we're gonna have it in hand. We have two copies: Golden Black Haze and one hundred eighty gram Black Vinyl. <coughs> two of them. And uh, you can come and get it there. We'll also have T-shirts, and maybe we'll even play a little, a couple tunes on the stage here. 
Can you do all acoustic? I want to hear all acoustic that Empire. For you, I will. Thank you. Not for Dead Radio Podcast. Fuck them. Those fucks. Fuck those guys. Fucks. You know what we don't have? Waivers. We're not waiting in waivers around here. (laughs) Dead Empires! Uh, but no, seriously, I'm going to just sign something. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. So cool. so we want to know what you think. Uh, let us know what you think about the whole CD discussion that's going on about physical formats. Um, do you buy CDs at Best Buy or Target? Is, is that your go-to? Do you... Uh, it's probably not. I guess if you're listening to this, you probably yeah. enjoy independent record stores. I'm going to say, uh, I'll put it on record that we are going after that customer. The customer that thinks that there's no music in the mall anymore. Mm-hmm. We want you to be our customer. We don't bite. We're nice people, mostly. Hey, if you know there was that time that, doesn't work that here that in the store and much. Drew anymore, bit somebody. So. <laughs> and hey, if you, just gets rabies, really. If you know somebody who is that customer, send them our way. Yep. We uh, we appreciate everybody who comes in the door and who shares this entire experience with us. If you know somebody who heard about uh, Best Buy phasing out CDs and uh, they're bummed. Send them our way. If you know somebody who's glad about it, send them our way. Yeah. I want to know. We'll throw down. I'll even yeah. sweeten the pot. If Whoa. you come in before June 1st, we'll keep our seat as a normal price. Once Best Buy is done, they're going up, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. $40 for Taylor Swift. It's like 1989 all over again. Uh, Get it? Because it's a Taylor Swift album. Uh, uh, I feel dirty. Yeah. Yeah. But you could almost say the same thing about movies, reputation. like DVDs. You're getting my blood to boil. It's turning into bad blood. Let's <laughs> not spill any teardrops on our guitar, okay, guys? What? <laughs> Taylor Swift song. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got nothing to compare with that. No, I don't Shit. even know. I didn't even get that one. <laughs> you win, sir. Thank you. That's all I was going for. But yeah, movies, too. Are they phasing out movies? No, but oh. what's, what's the difference? You know what I mean? Hmm. What's the convers- Why isn't the conversation that way? I'm sure movie physical movie sales are down, but you're never hearing about any of that. I maybe is it because there's new formats available? Like you've got, well, they got 4K, 4K now, and yeah, all that kind of thing. But again, cost prohibitive. What's a 4K movie cost? Like forty bucks. 30, Probably yeah, 40 bucks something in that range. I, was th- uh, I just pre-ordered Last Jedi in 4K. It was like thirty bucks. You know we have a store here. <laughs> you <laughs> know you don't movies. get the limited edition lithographs that Disney gives. Oh, God, here what are go. you doing with those? <laughs> what are you doing with those? those four, they are for my grandkids to sell when I'm dead. Those four little 3 by 5 index cards that are in that package. Look, it's not the merchandise from the new episodes that retain value. No, not at all. It's the first... Uh, it's the first... Three that were it's the original trilogy. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Ot. Mm-hmm. Og. Star Trek four, five, and six. Don't worry, I got a solid stash of Ot. Stuff. Wrath of Khan. Death of Spock. Search for Spock. And the Dumbledore returns. I was going to say the Half Blood Prince. <laughs> so if you're looking for CDs, or maybe you forgot about CDs, they're still here for you. Mm-hmm. And I would say they're probably more affordable than ever. Even compared to 10 years ago, let's say, 10, 15 years ago when a new CD was $20 and maybe it was on sale for some some price, that sale price is not even as good as the average price of a new CD. I would say, on average, new CDs, single disc, 
are in the ten to thirteen dollar range at this point. And so much better sound quality than a digital download or a stream. Faux show. And you own it. You physically own it. It can't be taken away from you because of a management dispute. Or now, what if else. I were to play my CD player through Bluetooth speakers? Why would you do that? You're doing it wrong. You're doing Just it wrong. To- so we'd love to know your thoughts. Has anyone uh, ever shared their thoughts? Has anyone ever tweeted yes. at either of our podcasts? Evan McGregor. Actually, no. yes, I, I can There was a tweet at the Dorkside podcast that I, clearly went unanswered, and somebody's really bitter about it. <laughs> somebody's uh, butthole got in a twist. Oh. A little butthole hurt. little okay. butthurt because uh, they told me that uh, they tweeted at Dorkside Pod. After we said, hey, we'd love to know your thoughts, they tweeted at us, and then they said, you didn't even give me a retweet, not a like, nothing, you, you, you know. How often do you check that Twitter? Oh, I checked it. Let me have a look-see. Some butthurt little baby mm. who happens to run a podcast Oh, called Dead Radio. Who is that? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh... So we'd love to know what you think. Uh, as always, feel free to leave a comment uh, either on our Facebook, on our Twitter, at Darkside Records with a Z, Z. Uh, or use the hashtag Darkside Podcast. You're welcome for that. <laughs> no, we actually uh, we do have someone who checks the Darkside Records Twitter, just not the Dorkside Twitter. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know the Dorkside Rec- Twitter was a thing. I can check it if you want. No, it's okay. okay. Well, we, you don't need that kind of power. No, I can answer Dorkside questions. Oh, you know what we Bring should Bring it on. We should have JJ answer all nerdy things <laughs> for Dorkside. So if you have nerdy questions, tweet we at- do like a, like a mini episode. Like if people send questions and just like 10 minutes of him mm-hmm. like answering, answering all the questions. I want a little bell, like a, speed, a lightning round. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Everything is Dumbledore- dies so on that note we're gonna uh we're gonna say goodbye for this month thank you for listening as always remember to subscribe to our podcast in itunes you could do so by going to itunes and subscribing now there's a subscribe button hit it while you're there why don't you hit the rate button leave us uh leave us an honest review we can handle it especially if it's five stars and it's about how great we are the more reviews we get the more people we can expose ourselves to that's You've had a long day. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> it for this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, in March with another episode of our podcast. Uh, until then, feel free to stop into Darkside Records, pick up some CDs, or shop online. Or vinyl. Either or. Or via our app. That's right. Download the Darkside mobile app. At darksiderecords.com. So until next month, I'm JB. I'm Berto. I'm JJ. See ya. J. CDs nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Hey everybody, JB here. Uh, I am sitting uh, with my good friend, Mr. Tyler Gherkin. What's up, everyone? From Darkside Records, and uh, we got a special treat for you this episode. We got a we got a special guest here for us on the podcast here this week. Former WWF superstar, Mr. Lanny Puffo. Hey, Lanny. Hello. What a great introduction. Uh, thank you so much. I'm a former WWF superstar. And um, some people say jabroni, but there was four months there when I was on the main events, going all over the place. And uh, I have selective amnesia. That's what I remember. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, you know, we do a little uh, music theme podcast. So, um, 
for any any non wrestling listeners out there. Um, you want to just give us a little backstory there? Okay, I was born December twenty eighth, nineteen fifty four, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and uh, now I'm a Canadian born American citizen, which would have come in handy if the war in Vietnam would have escalated. <laughs> And um, then I uh, started wrestling when I was 18, 1973. And by the time 1994 happened, uh, that was my last match. And uh, so I had a 21-year career. Wow. I never hurt anybody, and I never got hurt. That's a perfect record. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. You're uh, famously from a wrestling family. Your father, Angelo, and your brother was Randy, who uh, I think... Most of our listeners will know as Macho Man Randy Savage. Who is he? <laughs> Some jabroni. Uh, oh, get... wait a minute. I think I remember him. Yes, <laughs> he's uh, one of the all-time greats. And, uh, and you know, I, I, in all seriousness, I'm the luckiest man in the world. Not only was my father Angelo Popo, but I was the brother of the late, great Randy Macho Man Savage. And I wouldn't have got nearly as far if he hadn't been my brother or if my father hadn't been my dad. Bouncing off of that, uh, did you always know that wrestling was going to be the the way, or did you have any other options when you were younger with other work? Well, I was. Uh, I had an offer to mop up at a peak show, hmm. and uh, that's a good way to earn a living, right? <laughs> <laughs> Slightly different route. Well, you know... <laughs> there's, a, there's a chance to get ahead, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. I'll take your I'll take your question more seriously. Um, I always dreamed of becoming a wrestler. Um, I I also dreamed of being a baseball player, but I had a little trouble with the hit, run, full field, and sink problem. <laughs> Sadly, I'm uh, I'm a music guy, not a sports guy, so all of that just goes straight over my head. I will defer to Tyler for laughing at jokes that are sports related. <laughs> are you, who's the sports? Who's sports related here? Uh, that would be uh, Tyler here, who is sitting next to me, and uh, one of our other staffers, Drew, are uh, big uh, sports entertainment and sports fans. What's your favorite sport besides wrestling? I'd go. Uh, I love me some baseball, and then uh, every four years, I love me some swimming. Olympic style, oh, you know. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I was a swimmer in high school, so I, uh, you know, love uh, love watching some swimming. I, when I was when I was sixteen years old, I tried to perfect the breast stroke. <laughs> now, which uh, breast stroke are we talking? I'm talking mammary. <laughs> there we go. I was uh, I was always first in that one in my high school. <laughs> by the by the way, what I learned was that the girl's fat it doesn't count. <laughs> That, that is, that, that is, I am, I'm so ashamed of myself for even saying that. <laughs> uh, nah, it's all good, all good. Um, they're doing a little research, actually. I read a little story that, um, that, uh, one Andre the Giant has, had busted you open one time with a headbutt. Uh, do you remember that <laughs> at post, uh, you know, post dizziness? <laughs> and, uh, do you have any other favorite memories of, uh, you know, your wrestling career, your, well, you know, it was NBC, and I was on a dark match. You know what a dark match is? Oh, yeah, non-televised. It's not you're going to wrestle S.D. Jones. It's not this. <laughs> uh, it's uh, non-televised. They're going to use you for lighting and focus mm -hmm. and uh, sound check and all that, right? So mm -hmm. uh, when I was dreaming of greatness, you know, 
in my youth, I'd never dreamed of being in a dark match. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes you got to do what they got to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. So then Gorilla Monsoon says, where is Leaping Lanny? That's what was my name before I became the genius, mm-hmm. you know. And um, he says, I just, I just went to bed for you. Don't make a monkey out of me. <laughs> and I said, I would never make a monkey out of a gorilla. <laughs> Perfect. So he says, very, very funny. He says, but uh, he says, you know, we're going to have Andre the Giant against Hulk Hogan, and they need to get some heat on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, they put him with, you know, the best manager, which is Bobby Heenan. Of course. And uh, they need me to um, do a special carryout job mm-hmm. um, for on NBC so he can get that vicious heat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm getting another call, but because this is a podcast, I'm going <laughs> to stick with you guys. <laughs> I love it. So anyway, the situation is it was a self-inflicted razor blade wound to the head. Are you with me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The old blade job. It was a blade job, which is not to be confused with another kind of job. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, they need, you know, it was Dick Ebersoft from NBC to mm. Oh, Lanny, please, I hope you, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Everybody, Vince was, oh, do a good job for us, right? Then after it was done and I couldn't stop the bleeding, boy, I counted my friends then, and it was like my brother, Rick Martell, and Rene Goulet, and that was it. You know, because I, I was applying pressure to it, couldn't stop the bleeding. <laughs> I pressed a little too hard, you know? Oh, yeah. Um because nothing succeeds like excess. So, anyway, I was glad to be a part of it, but I was very disappointed when they announced WrestleMania three in the Pontiac Silverdome, and my name wasn't on it. So mm-hmm. I knew what it was like. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know when you date a girl and she puts out and you don't call her back. Well, it finally <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> oh, the tides have turned. <laughs> I deserve it. It's karma. <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned uh, two characters that you uh, portrayed in your time wrestling in the WWF, Leaping Lanny and, of course, the genius, Lanny Poffo. Uh, you were both uh, a face and a heel for our listeners who are not wrestling fans. A face is uh, wrestling lingo for uh, a baby face or a good guy. And heel being wrestling lingo uh, for a bad guy. Was there one that you enjoyed portraying more? Did you enjoy being a, a baby face or, or, or a heel? Was there one that appealed to you personally when you were performing? Well, I liked both of them. Uh, you know, if I could wrestle uh, as a baby face, if I could wrestle Terry Funk or Bob, Bob Orton Jr. or Harley Race uh, or Kamala even <laughs> every night, uh, you know, I would have loved being a baby face, but you don't get to wrestle those people. You have to wrestle guys that cannot get heat. Mm-hmm. You know, non-heat getters like Barry Horowitz. who used to pat himself on the back, and, you know, I never understood that, and I I thought he got over with nobody. <laughs> you know, I never thought he got enough heat to make a man tear up his program <laughs> and vow never, to, vow never to pay to get in again. So, you know, then I turned heel. Of course, I enjoyed that better because... You know, they were actually building me up and promoting my character. And uh, Hulk Hogan took a liking to the character and decided that he could uh, do some business with me. And that's where I wrestled him on NBC. 
And uh, that was the greatest moment in my career. And um, I'm not ashamed to say it. I love Hulk Hogan because he saw something in me and um, he made it happen for me. And, um, you know, what a guy. Huh? I mean, he didn't do that for everybody. He sure. must have liked it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you still keep in touch with the Hulkster? I speak when spoken to. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> you know, hear but I, I hear that. I don't call him up, but um, when he got himself in a little trouble, I on every interview I uh, I said absolutely not. He's not a uh, homophobe and he's not a racist, and he isn't. Right? Yeah, because you, uh, you know, you know, I aspire to be half, I aspire to be half the um, <clears throat> the humanitarian that he is. He, that's all he does is things for people. You know, and. Uh, He's had a lot of problems. His, you know, his son was in a car wreck. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, <clears throat> he's had a marriage go south, and so did I. But I'm a, I'm proud to say that I am now an abuelo. Ah, that's a a a, now, who, a grandpa. I am a grandfather, and uh, <laughs> even though even though I'm part Italian, that would make me a no no. <laughs> or part Jew- part Jewish that would make me a Zadie, um, but since I think of Nono and Zadie as my grandparents, you know, I decided I want to be called Abuelo like because it. that's a cool sounding name. Absolutely, well, congrats on that. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you. He'll be one years old on March 18th. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. He's already he's already walking, and uh, he's not going to be uh, macho. A macho man, because this must all end. We going with a we going with a new sport. You following those baseball roots now? No, we're gonna let him do anything he wants. I love it. Um, I love it. I don't want to. I don't want to turn him into a stuttering bedwetter like me. <laughs> it's a terrible gimmick in the ring. It just does not go over well. <laughs> no, nah, it doesn't work. Uh, I guess we'll we'll we'll, we'll end. Uh, with the wrestling questions on this one, since we are located in Poughkeepsie, that there is some wrestling uh, history in Poughkeepsie. With uh, the Poughkeepsie Civic Center used to hold tapings and such. Uh, did you ever wrestle in in Poughkeepsie back in your heyday? That was where I got my debut in the WWF. Really? For, uh, yeah, they used to do three ta- three tapes yep. in one day. You know, we would we would go there all the time, and uh, and then. They finally stopped using it for TV taping and then started going on the road. Oh, right on. Wow, that, that's really cool. That, you know, Lanny Poffo debut the, right, uh, right up in the road at, uh, at, <laughs> at the Mid Hudson Civic Center. The Mid Hudson Civic Center. Don't um, miss it. Be there. <laughs> um, all right, so I guess we'll, we'll, we'll move over. Um, I know you're, you're big into, into poems and, and limericks, I know you do a lot of writing. So I thought that was kind of cool to have you on the music podcast because the connection between poetry and music is good. They go hand in hand, you know. Um, so tell us a little about your your your, your poetry and, and where you got got started with, you know, your rhyming. Well, my fifth grade teacher took a my fifth grade teacher took a liking to me and thought I could be a great writer, and uh, that was a self fulfilled prophecy. And then you never know. I'm Listen, I don't know anybody who died and came back, but um, you don't know if it's God or coincidence. But I prefer to think that God put somebody in my life named Shel Silverstein. Are you aware of this? 
Absolutely. Do you know who he is? Yeah. Oh yeah, we read. Uh, who he is? We read a lot of Shel Silverstein poetry when I was in uh, elementary school. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of uh, of the best one. Well, I can I can even I cannot compete on the same level as the genius, but I remember one poem uh, from being a kid, and it is a Shel Silverstein poem, "The Crocodile Dentist," that I can still recite from memory. That's all I got. That's Let's my word. The whole thing? Uh, just the highlights. Okay. So the crocodile went to the dentist, and he sat down in the chair. And the dentist said, now tell me, sir, why does it hurt and where? And the crocodile said, I'll tell you the truth. I have a terrible, terrible ache in my tooth. And he opened his jaws so wide, so wide, the dentist, he climbed right inside. And the dentist laughed. It wasn't as fun as he pulled the teeth out one by one. And the crocodile cried, you're hurting me so. Please put down your pliers and let me go. And the dentist just laughed with a ho, ho, ho. Said, I still have 12 to go. Oops, that's the wrong one, more or less. But what's one crocodile tooth, more or less? Ooh. That's half of it. There's more. It goes yeah. on. But that's that's like the I'll one thing I've retained from great. school. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's an honor. And, uh, you know, Joe <laughs> Silverstein was great. He really encouraged me, you know. And a lot of people don't know this, but uh, he's written several hit songs. You ever hear A Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash? Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wrote that. Words and Music. Joe wow. Silverstein. Wow. Did you, ever hear the, did you ever hear the Unicorn song? No. That one I've never heard of. There were green alligators and long neck geese, some humpty back camels and chimpanzees. Some cats and rats and elephants, for sure as you're born. The loveliest of all was the unicorn. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, and he also was a cartoonist for Playboy magazine. Mm-hmm. That I remember. <laughs> From a different yeah. period of my life. <laughs> what I got, and, but he died in 1999, and uh, my Limerick's book came out in 2004. You can go on GeniusLannyPapo.com if you're interested. And I've got a comic book uh, that is coming out. And um, anyway, it's uh, it was great that Shel Silverstein was such a influence in my life. Really great. And uh, so tell me, um, I'm going to be in the uh, Poughkeepsie and in Rensselaer and in uh, several other places. So why don't you... Uh, Tell the people where I'm going to be. That is correct, of course. The first weekend of March, you will be uh, around. You will be. There's a WrestleFest happening for NEW Northeast Wrestling March 2nd. That's in uh, Waterbury, Connecticut. At Wilby High School. You will be uh, there making an appearance. You will also be here at our very own Darkside Records, 611 Duchess Turnpike in Poughkeepsie. Uh, you're going to be here March 3rd. That's this coming Saturday. Uh, from 12 to 2, there's going to be a meet and greet. There's going to be a Q&A. Listeners, fans, Marks, you can ask the genius Lanny Poffo anything you want. Anything. It's going to get really uncomfortable really fast. And, of course, last but not least, you will be in Rensselaer at Heroes Hideout, located at 215 Broadway. That's on the same day, Saturday, March 3rd, and that'll be from 5 to 7. Now, I used to wrestle at the RPI, Rensselaer Polytechnical Institute, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, then, and then when they created that new place in Albany, uh, the Knickerbocker Arena, and I think they changed it to the Pepsi something. Um, I don't know what they call it now, but um, I go way back. Well, we appreciate you talking with us, and we appreciate you being here. And um, is, is there anything, you would, anything you'd like to say to our listeners, anything you'd like to say to uh, wrestling fans, music fans, poem fans? 
poem fans? Yes. Um, if you're considering going to see me um, with questions or whatever, uh, I've got something that's even better than that. I'm mm. going to bring the Macho Man's Hall of Fame ring, and what I'm going to do is take it off, let you wear it, you make a fist and you point it toward the camera so everybody can see it in the foreground. We will take our picture together, and I call that a real keepsake. So if you're thinking about not going to see me, I suggest you uh, think better of it and go ahead and see me because I am the surviving brother of the Macho Man. I'm very proud of it. Ooh, yeah. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun, and you're going to get a keepsake. And I, I'm sincere about that. I, I, I put Randy in the Hall of Fame against his own wishes, and I did it not for the Macho Man but for the Macho Fan. And that's why I'm coming to Waterbury and all these places in New York. Poughkeepsie, uh, Rensselaer. Geez, I mean, uh, Steve Credo's taking me around. Whenever he stops the car, that's when I'm getting out. I'm 63 years old. That means we have to stop for a pee every 10 miles. <laughs> so, But I'm going to be there, and uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, I love wrestling. It's done a lot for me, and uh, I have nothing but fond memories of the whole thing. And uh, now Vince McMahon, he, he did a lot for me, too. Uh, I wish him the best of luck. I don't think there's a market for professional football. I think we've seen enough. But uh, if anybody can make it a go, I'm, he's the man to do it. That's the truth. All right. Well, we appreciate you being here. And just like he said, come out this Saturday. Meet the genius Lanny Poffo. See where, take a picture with Macho Man Randy Savage's WWE Hall of Fame ring uh i guess that's Excellent. it thank you lanny for being here thank you guys thank you lanny and i will see you saturday thank you great Bye-bye.